Hey, it's David Ward. Real quick before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the content, please share and subscribe to the podcast. I've heard every time you subscribe, a drummer gets their wings. So please help a drummer out and subscribe. All right, now on to the show. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Rock Therapy Show here on Musicians on the Record. It's not talk therapy, it's rock therapy. We're having conversations about music, mental health, motivation, and mindset. I'm your host, David Ward, licensed psychotherapist and unlicensed drummer. I'm just drumming without a license these days, Clem. So, And on the show, I'm super excited. She is back for uh, another very cool interview, this time a special topic. She brings the thunder down in her band Zeparella, but she does it in a zen kind of way. We're talking all about meditation today with Clementine. Welcome, Clem. Hi, Dave. Uh, it's so nice to see you. So nice to see you again, too. Thanks for being back on the show. And, uh, you know, we, we did an interview with you about, was a year or two ago? Mm-hmm. Something like that. More on, you know, your full story. And so we'll put a link in the description and a card up here for folks if they want to go check that out and see the interview with you. But today we're going to talk all about meditation, the benefits of meditation. I'd love to hear your sort of take on that. But we have to start first things first, of course, uh, with the pugs, uh, both, <laughs> both pug zone. We got to get to the important stuff here. How's your pug doing? Henry, this is him. Can you see him? Oh my goodness! Yeah, go go to the right a little bit. The oh, adorable! Look, isn't he cute? I know. <laughs> He's my baby. He's yeah. my little Zen master. No you doubt. know, they were raised by um, they were uh, bred by monks in China. That's so right. So they yes. they're very uh, they're very Zen. That's right. Dogs. They have quite a lineage and a history there. The pugs, right? So they do. Yeah. yeah. So where's Bob? Bob is sleeping in his bed right now. I don't know. I'll, I'll turn the camera so that folks can see. And uh, there he is. He's right in front of the drums and the guitar. So he's just hanging. He's just hanging. He he does not stay there when I play the drums. The bass drum's a little too much for him. So understandable. It's too much. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's start with meditation then, Clem, because I've been looking on, you know, the Zeparella site on your YouTube channel, and you're actually doing some very cool clips around meditation and music. How did all of this get started for you? Uh, okay. It's a very long story. Um, we got time. Yeah, good. Uh, so I've been meditating. Um, I first got interested in Zen when I was about 20 years old. And then, um, I have been, uh, meditating and then I found a Vipassana meditation, um, through 10 day silent retreats, um, in my mid twenties. And so I've been meditating for a really long time. Um, and, the benefits of meditation uh, in my life and in my music career uh, have been, you know, profound. And so um, I, and I'm also a writer, so I started a blog called Bliss and Drumming, which is about how this uh, meditation, spiritual practice, um, uh, kind of the intersection between that and my music career, all different aspects of music career from, uh, playing on stage to just being on tour. Um, and, um, you can go to blissanddrumming.com. That's where I write about all of that stuff. And then, um, when the, when Zepparella started doing, uh, the Zepparella learning channel on YouTube, which is where we take Zeppelin songs and each teach uh, lessons of how to play them on the different instruments. I love watching those. Yeah. And I thought that it would be a good opportunity for me to start um, a series called Meditation for Drummers, which kind of anybody can use, but they're – it's just a series of um, of things that – meditations that I bring into my practice – when I'm practicing drums and also live. So then that led me to start doing um, backstage meditations, which are posted there as well. And those are, 
you know, little uh, one to five minute meditations uh, that I do right before I get on stage. Um, And I thought that might be helpful to show. It's important for me to show that, you know, where a daily meditation practice where you have a cushion and you have a um, something that you kind of are, you know, do every day is very helpful. It's also something that you know, you don't have to spend an hour sitting on a cushion. You can just in one or one to five minutes, you can really find a center with some of these practices. And as a musician, um, you know, when I'm on stage, my goal is to find that place um, beneath thought that is the same place that I'm fine that I try to find when I'm meditating. Um, so that I can be in the center of the song, so I can let go of all of the thought of technique or nerves or all of the external stuff and really be present in the moment. Um, and so that's really what drives um, what drives a lot of the talk of this stuff is um, is helping people recognize that that's possible to be in that that space on stage and and that, when a, a player, you see players who are in that place on stage, and that's where the real connection is, I think. Um, you know, music is a language, and it's a language that goes from kind of heart to heart, body to body. And um, and that connection, I think, is really powerful. And, and the reason I think most of us, you know, keep keep doing such a difficult job. <laughs> really, yeah, really well said. And so, so meditation is a tool uh, one of the techniques, but but to sort of get to that place where you're in that moment, you're letting go of the, geez, when's this change coming up? You're just more in that flow. Did I flub up and make a mistake that you can just sort of get over that quicker and let it go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And feel like the song is playing you um, rather than it's some mental construct. You know, I think a really important um, thing about uh, meditation practice is that you begin to realize that your thoughts are not you. And I I read a long time ago a small book um, where the idea was that our thoughts are just physiological processes like those uh, processes that digest our food or move our blood through our body or start our heart. And if you see our your thoughts like that, like they're coming regardless of anything that you can possibly control or do, then you start to realize that there's a part of you who is listening to those thoughts and observing those thoughts and watching your reactions to those thoughts. And it's in that place that if you're there while you're playing, you see the thought go by like, oh my God, my left foot, you know, oh my gosh, I just messed up. Oh my gosh, who came to the show? All of those thoughts are coming through, but you're not attaching to them and you're continuing to allow the song to play. Um, so that's kind of the idea. Yeah, sort of like clouds going by. Uh, some are nice and white and billowy. Some are dark clouds, have some storms in them, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and it doesn't matter which one. You know, we don't get attached to the happy ones, and we don't get attached to the dark ones. We just let them all move through while falling in that kind of open awareness there beneath them. Can you say a little bit more, Clem, about there can be a misconception around meditation where people think they have to be religious or spiritual to meditate, and that's not always the case. Uh, you can be if you want, but there and there's tons of different types of meditation, right? There are ton, tons of different types of meditation, and you know, to get caught up in the language of it, I think, is doing yourself a disservice. Um, uh you know, I, um, I'm definitely not religious, um, even though the practices that I follow, um, are from Buddhism and Hinduism. Um, but I, um, when I, uh, teach meditation to people, I work with people from every walk of life, people who are complete atheists and, um, that's completely fine. It doesn't have anything to do with um, 
you're connecting to a, a part of yourself, whether you call that part of yourself peacefulness, whether you call it consciousness, whether you call it God, really doesn't have anything to do with anything. It, it's what is meaningful um, in your own life. So um, these practices um, have a lot to do with uh, connecting to breath. Um, I think most um, most spiritual practices have something to do with the breath because it's uh, a constant um, connection to our nature, our physicality, and uh, it's a great tool for us. Um, and then if you're completely science-minded, connecting to your breath um, and doing these breath practices um, is uh, calming down your nervous system because your nervous system is there to make sure that your heart and your brain get oxygen. So deep breathing, um, just from a completely scientific point of view, is helping your physical body as well, and therefore your mind and, and your emotions too. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know the all of the science behind it, but that's certainly, uh, you know, when I do that breathing and, and get quiet, that's certainly, you know, helping my nervous system uh, just to quiet it down, which must be also, you know, f for anybody, but also we're sort of talking about how to use this uh, for musicians as well. Some of that is like some of the pre-stage jitters or any kind of stage fright, just getting yourself grounded. How do you use some of this at that point? Yeah, that's, um, it's so helpful. Um, and, you know, in a two-minute breath um, where you're breathing down and kind of holding the breath, like if you uh, imagine taking a nice deep breath and breathing down the sides of the body as if your body were in three channels, right? Here's a technique. So imagining that your body is like there's one channel up the middle and two down the sides. So when you breathe in, you're imagining breathing and opening up the sides of your body, like the sides of your rib. Breathe deeply, and then you're collecting the breath, imagining you're collecting the breath about two fingers beneath your belly button in that low belly area, and you kind of hold it there for a moment, and then when it just gets slightly uncomfortable, you breathe up and out the top of your head like a mat, like it's a lot of visualization breathing out, <sighs> coming up and out, and then just breathing normally. If you're just pay attention to the way that your physical body feels when you do something like that. It's pretty remarkable how everything kind of settles down for a moment and your mind as well. You know, your thoughts stop, stop racing around and it's like suddenly there's spaciousness. Um, and in that spaciousness, then you can say, Oh gosh, I'm, I feel nervous. Okay. Well, how about now if I breathe into that energy of nerves and imagine blowing it out. You know, um, I think that those kind of practices can really help with stage fright. Um, and then in the bigger picture, maybe later on sitting in meditation and saying, what was that feeling, bringing up that feeling of stage fright? Okay, what does that feel like? That feels like fear. Okay, fear of what? And once you start those examinations, it's a lifetime of yeah. figuring out your whole, you know, your whole thing. I think there are some also some common themes that can happen with that, with the fears, especially around fear of judgment, sort of like public speaking where you're going out and performing and there's an excitement and a vulnerability to it. Can you talk about fear of judgment and how meditation can help? Yeah, that um, that's uh, it can be a remarkable transformation just to allow yourself to recognize what it is you're afraid of in those moments. Um, I think fear of judgment, fear of, uh, or, or uh, a kind of perfectionism, fear of messing up can be huge as well. Um, and start to examine, you know, what is that voice that's coming up? First of all, whose voice is it? Sometimes it's somebody else's voice that you're hearing and you realize like, oh my gosh, like uh, I remember somebody when I was, you know, eight years old, this girl in my class telling me she hated my voice. Well, does that have something to do with me get, like being, having stage fright when I get up and sing? A lot of this work is about allowing yourself to feel the uncomfortable feelings, right? And 
You know, our culture is really, and I'm, you know, a big, uh, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody where it's like kind of, I don't want to feel that difficult emotion. I don't want to feel like I'm not enough or that, um, that I'm not good at what I'm doing or, you know, all of those things that I feel. And so what I'll do, you know, what I'd rather do is like smoke a little pot or, you know, take a drink or whatever. And we all do those things, um, to not, or most of us do to avoid feeling those things. And a lot of this work, and I think the reason that people tend to push it off um, is because it involves sitting and really feeling those things fully. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's uncomfortable. And, um, but it's so valuable if you want to just get rid of it. If you want to, um, if you want to work through it, if you want to understand it and understand yourself, because once you do really sit with it and say, okay, um, even take something like jealousy, oh, that person has, you know, accomplished so much more. And then to allow yourself to really feel that feeling of jealousy and investigate it, where does it come from? It comes from a feeling of not feeling, you know, there's some lack in me that I'm feeling, investigating that lack, um, can bring up a whole bunch of, um, information about, you know, your past or, um, about the way you see the world and working through that can be a freedom, but it is a vulnerability. You mentioned vulnerability and, and it really is, you have to open yourself up to being vulnerable to, to recognize the hard truths of what you've been living with for a long time. So, um, so that's the deeper practice of the meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I feel like, you know, like anything you can get in as deep as you want to, you can either take nice deep breaths, learn some nice deep breathing techniques in order to get into it, or you can really do some, some deep self-examination and, right. um, and depending on where we are in our happiness level and how much we want to improve that in our life is how deep we want to go. I think. Yeah, and I, I love the, um, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability, if you know Brene, and uh, she does some great work. And, and I love the, you know, when I talk with folks, and I try to do it myself, but I think there's a lot of strength and courage in in that vulnerability, right? Because that's not easy to do. We we think, oh, that's just weakness, but it's much easier, to, what you said, for folks to drink or get high or whatever, than to sit with these uncomfortable feelings and and feel them. Right. And meditation gives you that container to be able to feel it without being overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, I'll um, if you don't mind, I'll tell a story about Please. this and what the benefit of being doing this work is. Um, I uh, I had gained some weight and uh, I went. I decided I was going to get out and go to a meditation class. I, I mean, a, a exercise class. And in my neighborhood, I was in an exercise class of about 15, 20-year-olds who are all, you know, uh, in much better shape than I was. And uh, and I was sitting in front of a mirror, and I was really beating myself up the whole edit- meditation. I mean, all of the negative self-talk was coming up. And I was walking home, and I just felt so, like, terrible, you know, um, about myself uh, and about, you know, the state of my physical self and all of that stuff and all of the ways I was failing myself. And I thought, okay, well, let me go home and just sit and feel this. So I sat in meditation when I got home and I felt this heavy, the physical sensation was the heaviest, most uncomfortable feeling I can imagine. Um, it was rack, kind of racking pain almost like my body was just so tensed in this and I recognized it as shame. You know, when I thought, okay, what is this emotion? It's shame. And I sat there for an hour in agony. It was real agony. And finally I was like, I can't, I felt sick to my stomach. I just kept having these waves. All of those negative things were coming up and finally, I was like, I can't take it anymore. And I got up and I thought, you know, I'm going to write uh, a letter to a mentor of mine and just tell her about this experience. And I sat down and my body was literally shaking because I had just allowed myself to be there in that space for so long, really feeling every bit of this misery that I was feeling. 
And I started to write. And about two paragraphs in, I realized that my writing voice had completely changed and that I was writing in a way, my voice, my writer's voice was freer and more pure. And it was like the voice I had been looking for in all my years of writing, like something opened up, something creatively opened up. And that was the biggest lesson for me um, because it was like the most difficult thing is sitting and feeling these horrible feelings, sorrow, grief, um, abandonment, all of these huge things that we deal with in our life. To sit and feel them can break open this whole new perspective on life creatively, especially for artists who you're, you know, are watching your thing. I mean, it can just, it, you know, we talk about creative blocks and I think that maybe this has a lot to do with letting go of some of these creative blocks. And it was a vulnerability. When I wrote, sat down and started writing, I thought, I've never written about feeling this way before. And yet here it is flowing out of me. And that's vulnerable to say that. It's vulnerable for me. I think 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that story because it would have been admitting that I felt bad about gaining weight, about not being good enough, about, you know, feeling shame. And yet now I feel this like vulnerability is freedom. I feel myself able um, to be, uh, vulnerability is freedom. I feel myself able now to, to relate my story in a pure way that, um, you know, that feels connected to, you know, my higher self, to what I'm, my purpose in life, which brings happiness. So it's very yeah. brave, very brave of you to tell that story. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've heard the saying that the, you know, the, our joy, our happiness is in direct proportion to what we can feel sort of that container of how, how much sort of pain can we hold, uh, if we're just sloughing any of that off and not sitting with that once in a while, uh, it's the happiness isn't. It's going to be pretty shallow as well. So uh, it's great, you know, the the itty bitty shitty committee on our shoulder. You know, you're knocking that off. It sounds like with meditation, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know what's uh, what's really interesting too is that you know we think, oh God, I couldn't possibly go into feeling that grief, say um, that pain. Um, I'll die if I feel it. Well, we do die, but we die in a really good way. We die in, in creating a new perspective, um, a new freedom in the way that we move through the world. Um, and sometimes when we go into that stuff, it doesn't take an hour. Sometimes it's kind of instant. I feel, oh, I feel this wave of this sorrow but it doesn't stay. I find myself, oh, actually, most of me feels pretty good right now. <laughs> like that, it was like it, it kind of moves through. They say that, you know, emotions last only a couple minutes, the, the core of it, and then everything else is all of the projections that we're attaching to those. Right. Um, yeah. They last much longer if we fight them or attach ourselves to them, right? So Or avoid them, yeah. Or avoid them, you bet. Yeah, and I think yeah. med meditation is a a great way to do it. Um, can you say a little bit more about sort of meditating on your own as, as well as group meditation, any other members of the band that have joined you in this kind of, uh, whether breathing or not? Oh gosh. I, I'm so fortunate to have a band of meditators, um, in all different capacities, um, and, uh, real, uh, seekers, um, all three of the women in my band, um, are, are, you know, these are, these are common, common things for us. And, uh, we do meditate together, uh, in short, you know, uh, short meditations before, um, before shows, if, uh, you know, if something's happened or we're all very tired and, uh, we, we do, uh, make a connection that way. Um, and we realize that, you know, the more connected we are, we realize that the more connected we are that way, um, 
means we're going to be more connected on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Can you you say where you see that playing out uh, better for you guys musically when you meditate? I feel like it um, makes us um, uh, kind of telepathic Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a funny way. Yeah. Say say more. Yeah. Uh, Well, one one funny thing happened where uh, I, um, I had a dream where I was uh, playing drums and suddenly I thought, oh, I can just play in halftime. And suddenly I was playing, it's like the song was the same, but I was playing like time slowed down for me. And every hit was so precise and it just felt so good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I figured out how to play in halftime, right? Um, You know, within the structure of a normal tempo song. And I looked over at Gretchen and we were looking in each other's eyes and I was playing in halftime and I was like, it was this amazing dream. So the next weekend we had a show and, um, and as we were playing, I remembered the dream. And I thought, oh, what if I could just play, imagine playing in halftime while I'm playing a Zeppelin song in normal time, right? And I did that night. I did really feel like something had shifted. Like I, my, I was really a lot more precise in a lot of the fills and, you know, like time did kind of stretch out. I think you understand that as a drummer. I mean, sometimes time just seems like, you know, oh, this used to feel like it was so fast and now it's like I have all this space, right? And we got off stage and, uh, and we were all kind of, you know, uh, kind of recuperating from the show. And I said, you guys, I have to tell you this thing that happened. Um, you know, I had this dream, blah, blah, blah. And Gretchen said, oh my gosh, while I was playing, I had this thought, why don't you play in halftime? (laughs) And we just completely like lost, lost it. Like, oh, it's spooky, spooky. So, that's awesome. um, that's yeah, yeah, that it. I think uh, even on not on much more subtle levels, I think that happens to be connected. We all know that when we connect, when we communicate well off stage, is when we we're able to really communicate well on stage with the band. What about uh, some of the types of uh, meditation, Clem, that might also give you energy in addition to calm you down? Yeah, I um, I've tried that kind of fire breathing stuff before. Um, And, uh, I feel like my connection to energy is about finding that sustained battery of power. And, um, for me, that is, um, that's not an external, like (laughs) kind of thing. It's more like I can do this forever. I have more than enough energy um, and power. So it's connecting to a place of power for me, I guess that's the way that I kind of experience it. Um, I also, as I'm playing very often, um, if I feel some kind of part, it's like my, 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 my conscious mind is kind of going to the different parts of my body as I'm playing and just feeling, Oh, there's tension in my elbow. There's, you know, I think we all kind of do that. And what I'll do then is I'll take a nice deep breath into that place. uh, Imagine breathing out, radiating the breath out to the, the limbs, to the extremities to kind of knowing that breath is that power. And, um, especially, you know, when we're playing something that's difficult or we really get in our mind, I think we stop breathing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We breathe shallowly. And so remembering, remembering that, like, if I have a, like I'll play immigrant song and that's very exertive. And then afterwards, just sitting there before the next song and just really breathing out through the body, through the limbs, taking nice deep breaths, just remembering to do that. I think even that is just a huge help. Yeah, because some of these songs, I mean, what you're playing is, uh, you know, difficult, you know, quite intense music with Zeppelin and Bonham grooves, especially. Um, can we can we sort of go off on a tangent a little bit here as far as total conjecture? We don't know. But what do you imagine? Let's let's fantasize a little bit. What what do you imagine that would have done or helped if Bonzo meditated? <laughs> I think for somebody who is a, um, a maestro, which he was, um, 
I think that is a natural state for them. That's what I think. I think that when you're, um, when you're, it's a a way of, um, of connecting to source. Uh, I've heard that he didn't do that much practicing. I've heard that he, um, you know, he was such a natural from the time he was a child. I feel that there's a part of him that is already connected to that place that I'm sitting in meditation trying to find. Right. Um, now obviously, you know, just because of the way he passed away that, you know, there were probably some emotional things that maybe he could have, um, benefited a lot from confronting those difficult things. Um, which I think is the case for all of us who've, um, you know, indulged in escapism through substances. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think the true genius, players. Um, I think they have a, a connection to that. I think all of us do who are musicians. We all have those moments where we're like, oh my gosh, I've been playing that for, you know, 15 minutes. I thought I just started it. You know, time goes away. We understand how time stretches and, and pulls. Uh, we can sit and do the same pattern for, you know, a long time. We can get lost and we can get off stage and feel like we're floating. Like, wow, what just happened? You know, all of that is our connection. And that's why playing music is just such a gift, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think well said. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, Bonham's playing was on a definite Zen level, a higher level. Uh, it sounded like, and you know, I don't know, all, all, all accounts are what I read, but, and I don't know how accurate, but it certainly sounds like he struggled with some of the anxiety, whether it was flying or being away from home and his family and, you know, whatever the turning to substances were, was for him and, and the way that sadly he passed, uh, you know, would have just been cool if that was a tool for him that, that helped him personally drumming wise, he certainly didn't need it. Right. Right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, have you tried any of those, uh, you know, now that technology is out there, there are some apps for folks around meditation, like Calm or Headspace. Have you heard about any of these? Have you tried any, uh, any of these apps for meditating? Yeah, I've, I've heard of, um, I've heard of them. And I think that anything that gets somebody to be in that space is helpful. Um, I tend to, um, because the, you know, the meditation that I've done since, um, I was in my mid twenties is, um, is being in that kind of, that awareness, um, place. I don't tend to listen to guided meditations, but I do them for people. Um, I have a Patreon page. Um, it's, uh, called Clem the Great. And, uh, I give weekly guided meditations. Um, if you sign up for that Patreon page, uh, you get, uh, for a little bit of money, you get uh, weekly guided meditations and then personal meditations. Um, and so I do think that there's a big benefit for guided meditation. Um, uh, it really helps quiet people's minds down. And is that something you're sort of tailoring to a specific person or group or customizing or just sort of picking it up intuitively? On the Patreon page, I uh, just uh, every week it's something that you know comes to me in my own meditation um, when I'm thinking of doing it. Um, but then uh, I leave it open for the people who sign up on the Patreon page to do uh, phone calls with me, um, and uh, and and also if they reach out, then I'll I'll create you know, meditations, Hey, I'm having a hard time sleeping or something. I'll, I'll be able to create a meditation for them, um, for that. Um, and, um, I'm also, you know, David, I've been, um, I, uh, I completed a program in contemplative psychotherapy, uh, which is, um, uh, based in Tibetan Buddhism, uh, kind of the the combination between uh, Western psychological method and Tibetan Buddhism, and that has a lot to do with uh, self compassion, which I wanted to bring up uh, a lot of te- techniques about uh, self compassion. And when you were talking about that judgment, um, perfectionism stuff, those techniques are so helpful. Um, finding a way to 
feel good about our, yeah. you know, who we are. Can you yeah. give us, can you give us a couple of examples around that clip? Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know what Tantra was until I took this program. I always thought it was kind of like out there sex stuff, yeah. which I think has an element of it, but, um, it's really about, um, you know, when we're ch- little children, we're modeling ourselves on the people who are taking care of us, right? We're, we're looking at our parents and we're doing what they do, right? And what Tantra does is it says, okay, here you are in a, as an adult and you have all of these things that you've developed over the course of your life and some of them aren't serving you anymore. So how about if you take um, somebody uh, like the Buddha or a deity, you know, a Buddhist deity, like, you know, the medicine Buddha or all of these different you know, they have these different options of, of folks that, of, um, beings that you can choose. And what if you start to model your new behavior on a connection with these things? Like say that I, I have a meditation where I'm sitting under a tree with say the Buddha. Um, and I'm, I'm making a, uh, taking a, making a connection with this being right in my meditation. And what starts to happen then is we begin to rewire our minds in the same way that we rewire it as a child. So it's all about neuroplasticity and start to be able to see ourselves in the way that this very loving, very um, compassionate being is start bringing that to ourselves and start to feel that compassion. So that's, that's all of that kind Love of it. out there stuff, but it's, it's just transformative. Sure. Um, so that's really great. And then what I've been doing, um, I'm now a, a certified hypnotherapist and I've been, um, studying, uh, depth hypnosis, um, and applied shamanism. So I'm moving even further out. Um, and this is stuff that, um, where we're finding, um, our patterns, um, through hypnosis and finding ways to, um, to let go of some of the patterns that keep recurring in our lives. We keep choosing the wrong person or we keep, um, being, blocked, you know, creatively or all of these different things. And, um, so these are techniques that combine both Buddhism, Western, uh, psychoanalytic method and now shamanism, which is basically, um, you know, the original religions, the original spiritual practices of, um, humanity. Um, and so they're all kind of combining. So that's happening on Patreon as well. People can kind of get those that instruction as well yeah that's <laughs> that amazing work. clem what, yeah. uh, you know what kind of response have you gotten so far because obviously we're going to tell people about this so yeah it's been so wonderful to see transformation in people that i've been um, working with i it's really uh it's like i it's funny because when i found this practice uh this new method and i realized that drumming was so involved in it i mean you know the shamanic drumming is you know there's uh drumming and uh, you know buddhism which i had been meditating for you know so long and in these practices and then western psychology which you know i've just been uh, in love with carl jung for so long and um, and all of that all came together. I felt like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been just kind of randomly, you know, fi- doing these things in my life. It's all kind of coming together into this one place. So right, right. Like, the, the collective unconscious as far as with Jung, right? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, you, you're clearly, you're not just a drummer in a Zeppelin band. Let's, can we say a little bit about knowing these different parts of you? When did this even start for you? What inspired? Was there a specific teacher that came along in your life? Um, let's see. I feel like everybody's been a teacher in some in some form. You know, my first drum teacher, Fred Klatz, in uh, out of the Drummers Collective in New York, he loved to think about you know all of this. Um, you know, the way the mind works. The way the mind works, as he used to say, I'm so amazed that in different times, uh, 
in different tempos, your body, your mind can figure out how to get your body around the drums to be in time. I mean, just that um, thing in drumming is phenomenal, you know? Um, And then uh, uh, I have a a mentor that I, who I've had since I was 21 years old. um, And she's uh, an energy healer now. And, um, just been a seeker, which is why she became my mentor. Um, and then, uh, the person that I'm studying with now, Issa Gucci already kind of created the, um, you know, the modality that I'm working in now. So, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, we're all seekers in some kind of way, I guess. And, you well, know, I just let mine run rampant. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, I love the model because it, it shows you can rock and rock hard, but like in a healthy way and, you know, doing good works in the world and helping people like you are. It's really fantastic, a wonderful, Clem. So it's great. You as well, David. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So what what is your regular meditation practice now and how does it different like how is it differ when obviously when you're home versus when you're out touring on the road mm-hmm. i um so my regular meditation practice is i do an hour in the morning um i sit in meditation and um i you know vipassana practice is about um about noticing basically about putting your mind, you know, in your body, allowing your mind to kind of move down your body, become aware of all sensation in the body and then noticing your reaction. Is it, you know, there's the thing in Buddhism, like all suffering comes from craving something to be a certain way, pushing it away, aversion, pushing something away and ignorance about the whole thing. And, um, so you, you know, for a long time, that's what it was. My mind was moving down my body and I was just watching my reactions, watching my reactions. Um, now it's changed to, um, falling into spacious awareness and watch, watching what rises. So it's not so much connected to my body, um, anymore as it, as it used to be. Um, it's not as connected to my body as much. Um, and then I do a, a journey practice, which is part of the shamanism, where um, you know I, I uh, listen to a drum and I um, meet some um, some internal guides um, to be able to ask questions, to get insights, that kind of journey practice, which is really fun. Um, so that's kind of my practice now. Yeah, that's really great for for those who are. Uh just hearing about this either for the first time or maybe they've already been doing their own meditative practice and where would you suggest somebody start well you can go on my patreon page and listen to my meditation uh 10 minute meditation every week um but um where would you start if you're really serious about it, you know, Vipassana, um, is a, um, is a, uh, an ancient practice and there's a, um, there is an organization around the world that does 10, that, uh, provides 10 day silent meditation retreats for donation only. Um, there's maybe two, 300 places all around the world, um, that do this. Uh, I think the website is Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A dot org. Those are profound. Um, they're also, uh, it's 10, can be 10 of the most difficult days of your life. So, um, it's, um, it's a commitment, um, so that's for somebody who really wants to dive in. Um, and then I think those apps that you were talking about, David, I think those are really great. Um, as far as books go, um, I was really inspired. The first book I read was called The Three Pillars of Zen. And that has um, that is a lot of stories of um, individual people's practices and what they're going through as they're, they're practicing Zen meditation. Um, but, um, the wonderful thing is that there are places all over, um, every community now, um, 
And it's a matter of finding something that really speaks to you. And, you know, shop, you can shop around too. Right. You know, you can go and say, you know, this isn't feeling, how does it feel when I'm here? You know, does it feel aligned when I'm in here? Well, maybe I'll try something else and until something is like, you know, this is where I'm now there's a danger of, of, you know, being too all over the place and not kind of focusing because it does require focused attention, but, um, right. And somebody can also even just Google different types of meditation and see what comes up and what they feel called to most. Right. So, yeah, yeah. There's, there's mantra meditation. Um, you know, what can be really helpful if you feel like you have a hard time, um, you know, controlling your thoughts, which, um, you know, you we're really not trying to control them. We're trying to just allow them to be and find that other area where, you know, that's what the watcher, the person who's the part of you that's watching the thoughts. Um, but there are ways if you feel like oh, I can never sit still, you can sit and just count your breaths, you know, count one in, two out, count to four and just keep going. As a drummer, you know, that's something that's, you know, could be very helpful. You've got to count, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can, um, you can uh, listen. Sometimes I, I use a sound, you know, in the background, like all of the sound in my environment. And I try to find the silence beneath all the sound, you know, um, there are lots of different ways that you can, you know, you can sit and just allow it's about sitting and allowing what is. And if you do that for two minutes, then maybe it turns into five minutes, right. then 10 minutes. It can inform your whole life. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think, especially in our culture, at least here in the U.S., anxiety seems to be like the the baseline underneath this. And part of why meditation can be helpful is to calm that anxiety. Um, and I do talk with folks who, like you just said a minute ago, I can't just sit there. I can't just sit still. The the monkey mind, as they call it, takes over. But just physically, can you say about some of the action meditations? Like I think about the Thich Nhat Hanh walking meditations. Or do you ever meditate on the drum set? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, you think about... Um, and that's kind of what I was trying to do in meditation for drummers, is to sit at the drum set, hear the click track going, and like find that place that that kind of uh place within awareness where you're letting the click track come and then play along to the click track and noticing where you get pulled away from you know into anxiety into thinking into all of the thing and keep bringing yourself back so um I, I don't know how successful I was in in relaying that but um but there are those meditations there um and, uh, yeah, I like the walking meditation and that happens in Zen. So if there's a Zen center, um, in your area, uh, that might be a nice place to start, um, are those walking meditations. I, I think that putting your monkey mind to work is a great thing to find that quiet. And the way that you can do that is, like I said, counting your breaths, a mantra, that's what the benefit of like actually chanting or a mantra is. Um, uh, in Vipassana, it is um, noticing the sensation. So putting your mind up here, feeling the top of your head. Okay, what's there? Okay, it's kind of tingly. It's kind of warm. Okay, so I feel that and you keep moving down. Okay, now my mind is right here. What does it feel like right here? I can't feel anything. Okay, what does this feel? It's heavy. I feel cold. And, and what you're doing is you're just observing sensation and then your mind goes away and you start thinking about what you're doing next week. You keep just bringing your mind back to the top of your head. So it's giving your conscious thinking mind a job, which is observing sensation. And while you do that, you start to notice that there's this whole other part of you that is still and quiet behind what the mind is doing, which is, you know, feeling what your body feels like at the moment. So, um, I think that those kind of meditations could be helpful for people like that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very cool. I feel calmer already, Clem, just by talking with you about all of this. What, what, <laughs> ha- what have we not covered? What have we not said that's important to say before we end for today? I think it might be that, um, 
you know, in this culture, we're so obsessed with outcome and goals and, um, you know, and, uh, achievement. And I think that people who will say, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I can't, you know, calm down. It's because if they look at it, they're seeing that maybe they're thinking they're doing something wrong. Um, and it's really, what if it, what if there is no goal? What if there is no achievement? What if it is just sitting and observing and realizing that somewhere that's doing some benefit to their life? Um, and that there's no, like at no point am I going to ever be able to let go of having a thought come in my head, you know, um, and that that's okay. You know, that it's all okay. That every little bit that you do, um, is a benefit. So whether you're taking a nice deep breath and holding it and just feeling your body feel relaxed and that's enough, then that's enough. That's good for you. There's no, you know, um, we all don't have to live in a cave and, you know, wear a loincloth and, you know. <laughs> right. We don't have to get out of society. And, we we could do it here. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we're, that's why we're here is to learn that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. And for folks who want to just sort of get a taste around that meditation, they can also go to your YouTube channel. It's the Zeparella channel on YouTube, correct? That's right. Yeah. We're, we're in our busy lives. You, you have these minute or two minute meditations, uh, and then they can sort of get a glimpse and feel the benefit of that and then go to your Patreon page as well. And I'll just show you, you've also calmed our friend Bob <laughs> down here. Because he was running around. Now he's just in Zen meditation right now. So it's awesome. We we are all in a better place for talking to you. Clem, thanks so much for being on the Rock Therapy Show today. Thank you, David. And thank you so much for bringing this stuff into the light. You know, I think it's really, I think it's something that we drummers, we musicians, we already know it. And it's just kind of nice to to hear it out there. So thank you. I really appreciate you doing that. Very cool episode. What did you think about that? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it. And if you want to watch this interview, there's a video too. You can check it out on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, musiciansontherecord.com. Until next time, I'm David Ward. Thanks for listening. Thank you.